Welcome to the Strategy Show. We explore with real people how to develop and deploy strategies that work. We discover how they overcome obstacles along the way, balancing both achievement and fulfillment. We dive into the most powerful routines, tactics, and strategies and discover how they manage to stay fresh, strong, and happy. This is your host, Simon Severino. Welcome back to the Strategy Show. We are here today with Christiane Schneider, Management Consultant. Christiane, how are you doing today? I'm excited. I'm happy to hear your voice and I'm excited to dive into um, yeah, the topics we want to explore. It's great to have you here. Christiane, what makes you unique in your field? I guess uh, what I hear clients tell me is the way I facilitate and that's why I turned this into a coined phrase that says like fluid facilitation. There is a certain fluid fluidity around me that clients really appreciate. Um, and I have found a facilitation methodology uh, some almost yeah 20 years ago, uh, which I have refined over the years. And this is what I'm bringing to the clients. Um, helping them to maneuver through those volatile times in a fluid way. So if I'm your client, how do I observe that? What's the difference from other kinds of facilitation? Um, I guess just right away from meeting the client for the first time, um, the way I'm asking questions, um, I never take what my clients say by the face value. I want to know uh, what are the roots. Um, so I wouldn't make, I, I'm opening them up to have a curious inquiry in their own challenge. Um, because sometimes they have these preconceived notions of what the problem is about. And then they already think they know the solution and that closes down a lot of alternative ways um, and maybe even uh, more sustainable solutions if you dig deeper into the area where the challenge stems from. Um, so I think questioning um, is the first thing. Um, I usually show up with the first prototype of things that I already detected in the very first telephone um, calls that we had um, so that we have something to start from. Um, there's so much information available right at the beginning, which I then visualize for the client and backtrack for them, uh, see if I understood them correctly. And then from there, we can start co-creating the process that will um, lead towards the solution uh, that they're looking for. Once we understood what is the challenge that they're facing? Powerful. Would you share with us how maybe some recent magic moments were described by your clients? Um, what I, yeah, <laughs> um, I, two things came to my mind. And uh, interestingly enough, um, there is a YouTube video, uh, which I'm happy to share. Um, it's from Japan. It's from 2015. It shows 200, no, it's, I think it's 100 metronomes. Um, those are the little things that give you um, 
and taktgeber. I don't even know the English word, but they call it metronomes. And they are not... What you use when you're playing the piano. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes. So, And they have a hundred of those and they are not in sync. So each of them goes at their own rhythm. Um, and then they start, they start them all differently. So it's a hundred. Um, and then at one point, um, actually it's a minute and a half, they are all in sync. They all have the same tok, 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 tok. And it's amazing to watch these uh, um, non-living systems, how they synchronize and get into the same flow and the same rhythm uh, in such a short period of time. There's no one intervening. There's nothing there that's actually making them go that way. So the magic moments ref that I would, point out, refer to this phenomenon, which is based on the principles of self-organization and isomorphisms, which we have in nature that you and I already talked about in other instances. So they're always at work in living and non-living um, systems or uh, environments. So when I was with 280 <laughs> executives uh, working um, as a leadership conference, and they had to get to their um, they had to find a partner to do a reflection. Um, I had them do it in a self-organized way. And I had like so many of my clients come and say, like, this is not going to work. You know, this is going to be a total mess. And, you know, they're not going to find their partner. Da, 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 da. Um, and I said, relax, you know, it's it's going to take a minute. And they'll have, you know, everybody has, has will have found his partner and they'll be having their conversation. And it was amazing to watch when they got out of their chairs and they picked up uh, a puzzle piece and they had to find their partner with the same puzzle piece. Uh, with It was less than a minute. Everybody was settled, 280 people. Um, so, and then they look at me like completely baffled and I was like, yeah, this is self-organization at work. And you can entrust your people that they will find that one person that matches um, their puzzle piece. So and you can see those shifts in the organization um, and I can see them every now and then when um, the leaders are able to um, instill trust in their people and instill trust in the in the beauty of self-organization and it will, you know, produce those shifts in, yeah. And it's so effective. And in such short time, it would have been a nightmare <laughs> to organize this for 280 people in a mechanistic and very structured way. So you trust that systems will self-organize and find functional patterns because you believe in this theory of uh, isomorphism. You and I, we talk a lot about that. Could you, could you explain shortly for the listeners what is the model behind that? Well, the model behind that is that um, my, my teacher, Martin Gerber, uh, from whom I uh, learned a lot of the things that we're talking about, he's a physicist and he observed high-performance teams in the, in the 90s. Um, and even earlier, and try to find out what are the patterns at work here? Why are they so much better than other teams? Um, and his magic moment happened when he looked at systems theory um, and the way how chaos theory describes chaos, because it's not chaos. Um, it's not random what happens around it. It follows certain natural laws, and they are called isomorphism. And iso means similar, and morph means form. Um, and he took those isomorphisms and like a filter um, 
put him on top of what he saw at the high performing teams. And all of a sudden he could see the patterns. Um, and then he coded those uh, into what he calls flow teams. Um, and with this, this was the starting point for me. And ever since I've been looking into natural laws, how nature organizes itself around challenges without you know, anyone telling them what to do. Um, a tree doesn't have a meeting uh, when there is a faster growing tree showing up next to him. He just has, you know, he, he, he something's happening. He's rapidly prototyping a way um, to get, you know, still enough water and sun to survive. Um, and applying those to teams um, and organizations, um, that has become the core of my work. Thank you very much. And now, when you work with corporations, you work strategy, corporate development, team building. I'm very curious, how do you, how do you make your own strategy? Um, do, you, do you have a strategy process for yourself? Uh, how, how do you do that? Yeah, I know that you would be asking this. Um, and <laughs> uh, I've been reflecting on this, thinking about what is my strategy? Um, um, and yes, I, I mean, I know a lot of uh, strategic planning tools. And for me, actually, the process of planning is what is valuable. The plan itself is worthless. I think it's also a famous quote from some military colonel that would say, plans are worthless, but planning is everything. So for me, it's actually the activity, the planning, the strategizing the ING uh, words that I'm using here um, that are so important. Um, so whenever I set my, when I, whenever I think there's something I'd like to accomplish, um, um, I do, I apply the same rules and principles that I'm bringing to my clients. Um, and one of the tools I'm using um, is the, we call it Penta Agenda. It's not a regular agenda. It's a Penta Agenda because it has five different fields that uh, you need to fill out in order to understand what are you doing here. Um, and I, I literally do this. And um, this Penta Agenda starts with what's the purpose? Why? Uh, why do I want to do whatever I you know, feel like drawn to or that shows up. So what's the purpose in this? Um, and this is true for myself and this is also true for working with companies. So why do you want you know, to do whatever you want to do? It could be a project, could be a, an event, it could be a change um, endeavor, whatever. So the reason is why, what's the purpose? Um, and this the purpose can be differentiated, it can be individual, it can be for the team, it can be for the organization, and you can go as big as uh, society. You know, why would you want to do this in order to help society? Um, and the second step then is to look for um, concrete outcomes, like desired outcomes, things that you really want to produce. Um, here we're entering the field of tangible uh, products. Um, so is it a, a book? outline or is it a paper um, to hand in in a magazine? Is it a training outline? Is it a workshop design? Um, so something very specific. Um, and once I know that, uh, what I want to produce or what I what I when I learn from my clients, what is the concrete results that they want to hold in their hands at the end of the process, I shift to the third field, which is the relevant input. Um, and then I start looking for things that are relevant in order to produce those outcomes. 
in many cases, at least it's my experience, uh, there's so much good stuff in organizations, so much knowledge. And um, many teams and organizations have a tendency to disregard it rather than use it and build on it. So I'm forcing them to look at this and I'm forcing myself um, to do the same thing. Like whenever I've done something similar, what are good books that I could use? What are good um, exercises that I used in the past that are relevant input for that, that I can build on. That I might have to change a little or I can just use them the same way they are. Uh, research papers that are interesting. And the same is true for the organization or the team I'm working with. So what what do you have already? You know, they use most of the time they have concepts and ideas that they can build on. So I'm 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 asking them proactively to bring them uh, to the meeting so we can we can work with this. And then we get to number four, which is the resources. Um, who do I need? How much time uh, do I have? Or how much time do I need? So this is um, more about um, the logistical part of it. Um, but in terms of team interventions, it's also important to look at the resources of the people that are there. What are they bringing to the room? What are they bringing to the projects? And here we're talking about their experiences in former projects, um, life experience they might have made, um, things they've accomplished, which is a resource for the team in order to accomplish the new task that is at hand. Um, and finally, the fifth box uh, is right in the center of um, everything I just described, and this is the process. Um, and the process part is what I look at last. Um, and here it depends on your maturity. Um, that's what I see in clients and what I also see in colleagues of mine when I work with them. This box in the middle, when you start defining the process, can have as little self-organization as possible and can be really mechanistic and structured. And it can be and it can have as much self-organization as you can imagine. Um, some people call it free flow then. <laughs> so when everything is just, you know, flowing. Um, so... I guess that's, um, you asked me about my uniqueness. Finding the right process in the middle is probably something I'm really good at over the last, I got really good at over the last 20 years. What's the right dosage for the clients I'm working with or the people I'm working with and also for myself. So for me, by now I'm pretty much self-organized in my own, in my own being. Um, uh, I, have, I can let go of structure once I know all the four uh, fields are addressed and I know what the goal is. I know I'll accomplish it on time and on budget. Um, I cannot, but I don't have a specific plan. I do this at eight in the morning and this I do at 11. Uh, I just let it, you know, it's just going to happen. It's going to emerge and I know it's going it, to, it's happening. So I'm pretty much self-organized in my own <laughs> way of working. How do you make the difference between a self-organized system and let's say an under-organized or a chaotic system? I don't, I don't think that there are chaotic systems. It's, it's, I just don't, this is, um, I don't, it doesn't exist in my map of the world. Um, uh, from all I understand uh, from what I've been reading and studying, uh, we're living in a non-linear universe. So things are not linear and me mechanistic this world is not a complicated system. It's a complex system. And complex systems have very different features than complicated. So, And complex looks for someone that has a 
has the mindset of, you know, this is just complicated. I just have to look close enough to understand what's going on there. And then I can figure it out and I can make a model of it that will one-on-one represent what I'm seeing. For this person, um, the complex world looks chaotic. If you look at it from the perspective of nonlinearity, of isomorphisms, of patterns that are at work, it is not chaotic. So it's always organized? Yeah, it's always in a certain state, right? And those states shift um, uh, from what... How can you how can you find out if the patterns are functional or dysfunctional? For example, in regarding a a a, a specific purpose or a specific. Well, if you strategy. think about uh, let's say innovation, uh, you want to innovate. Uh, and we talked about this yesterday. An idea is not an innovation yet, uh, but the process of ideating you know looks quite chaotic from the outside. Um, your brain shifts from a focused mind to a more diffused mind where thoughts apparently randomly run through your brain and they make new connections and all of a sudden boom there is an idea that wasn't there before but the way the diffused mind runs those thoughts and lets them float around in your brain is in itself a pattern right it's not chaotic so and the same is true for team processes if they have a face where from the outside it looks like, oh my God, I mean, that's what it looks to my clients. This looks chaotic. Do they really know what they're doing? I tell them, yeah, they do. It's just that face where the, 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 it's not the thoughts, but then it's the team members or it's the ideas that float around, bump into each other until a new property emerges that then, oh, this is how we can do it. And we all know this from our personal experience. Um, how this comes into into being. Um, so that's why um, the, the functionality comes in with the focus that you are giving uh, and the direction you're giving, uh, let's say, a meeting or a workshop. Um, just as I mentioned before, you have some desired outcomes that you would like to produce. If on the way to those desired outcomes, something shows up that is even better than you thought about, you know, the day when you made the design for the workshop, you don't want to discard it, right? You want to integrate it. So you're happy to, you know, to say, okay, we hadn't thought about this. Well, but that's even better than the desired outcome we were aiming for a day ago. So... I don't know if this makes it clear. It, evolution always has a direction. It it just goes to higher levels of efficiency within itself, and so do teams. They go, they strive for, they have the innate strive for a higher effectiveness, uh, and it will come up. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know how else to describe this because. It's exactly the problem I'm facing with my clients. If you don't really, if you're not in it and have not a, a, physic, a real experience of seeing it, hearing it, and watching it, it's really hard to describe what I'm trying to describe to you right now. What have you recently changed your mind about? I think I changed my mind about how I communicate those ideas. Um, I can by now see many nuances in what's happening. And I changed my mind about <laughs> how to communicate those. Um, and that's a, a belief I was holding uh, that it's important for me to share with my clients as much as I can, 
So I'm giving them everything I have. And by this, I'm overdosing <laughs> uh, my client with information that he cannot process. Um, so I've changed my mind in terms of reducing what I'm sharing um, and making it, uh, you know, like little bites that they can process and they can metabolize. So the what are the increments that I can give them that are leading up to some of the shifts that the client is looking for? And it's not that I know, right? So that I know, okay, we have to do this and this and this. If I would do that, I would violate the rule of self-organization. I can only suggest those interventions and we can test and see if they unfold the impact that I, 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 I think will happen. But I never know what's the animal I'm meeting. You know, something that worked with client A might not work with client B. Um, so it's an iterative process for myself um, while I'm doing this. Yet I need to be more aware of what are the increments or the interventions I'm offering the client so that I can meet them where they are and then um, accompany them on their way towards whatever goal they've set for themselves and purpose they are aspired to. Christiana, is there something where you would say, this is holding me back? That's my obstacle number one. I guess my obstacle number one is, um, is, is being afraid um, to... Uh, it's just just not right now as you're asking the question my heart starts pumping you're like oh my god oh my god oh my god what's my fear and the fear is to show up yeah right with what i know um uh because it's 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 challenging for people to let go of their control mechanisms and um stop um, that control paradigm and the mechanistic idea that you can structure everything and that then you're in full full in control to bust the idea of control, right? That this is, is out of control, basically. So, um, but we have this illusion. So, and I'm, I'm afraid of, of really busting this, um, I, this illusion, um, how little we really do control. Um, yes, we have influence, uh, and it's good to exert our influence. Um, but the system bites back. So if I promote this, all the fears that people have um, get fired at me because I'm, you know, I'm the messenger here. <laughs> and I guess that's what's holding me back. I'm, I'm sometimes afraid. Um, to do this because uh, some of the managers um, are really overworked, they're really stressed, they're under a lot of pressure. And if they find an outlet, you know, they snap at you. Um, um, uh, and that, you know, I'm, 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 I'm sometimes afraid of this, I have to say, and that's holding me back. And that's my personal growth edge, finding a way of how can I deliver uh, the value within the work I do in in a way that it's you know that it doesn't backfire at me or learn to live that tough love <laughs> sometimes you know gets you in that hot seat um 
So I mean, that's my process. I don't know. Does that make sense to you? It makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing this, Christiane. We also talked in the last days about um, the male energy in consulting and in corporation and female. Yeah, I I'm so inspired by that. Are is there is do you observe in corporations that the male and the female essence do have impact on strategy on results and what are your well insights? it's a field i'm i'm recently exploring the power of masculine and feminine essence um and it's important for me to say it's not about gender i um you and i talked about this it's like we both have you know the masculine and feminine essences in us and it's a way to describe i guess how the universe works uh, at another level um and if you take the masculine essence is the way I look at it right now, um, the one that is the consciousness that brings structure, that brings direction um, to the world. Um, and if you look at the feminine essence more at everything that is in motion, you know, everything that is emotion, for example, is, you know, also, you know, part of the feminine um, realm, let's say. Um, and the feminine is always in flux. There's always something happening. Nothing's ever good enough. You know, we just keep going, which can drive man nuts, as you know. <laughs> Some of the relationships where the man just think like, come on, you know, this is, you know, we're done. And the woman says, no, that was good now. But what, what about now? What about now? What about now? So there's always, uh, it's always something going on and it's never good enough. Um, it, it's like the dancing part towards the stillness and meditative, more masculine forms that we have and how dance and meditation uh, can go together. And if, it, if I take this to the corporate level, and this is the field I'm exploring right now, uh, for myself as a woman, um, I know how hard it is um, to work, walk into a boardroom full of men and be the only woman. Um, I can feel my body stiffening. I can, you know, if I can get into that rigid structure, I can, you know, start, I can feel my body becoming quite masculinized so that I can, you know, take it, you know, take on with the guys. How can I keep my feminine fluidity in face of that and how, what will be necessary for the masculine side to accept and welcome feminine fluidity uh, if it comes, it, it can also come through a man, right? Because I just said men and women have both in them. Um, so that it has the same acceptance um, and it's welcomed. Um, they always, you know, very receptive and very happy and they like to have women around because things become lighter, it becomes more fun, you know, it becomes more humorous, it's less stiff. So they they appreciate that. Um, yet to appreciate the value in terms of biz making business or doing business by having those two poles integrated um, uh, or, you know, take the polarization to the extreme and see what is the creative force that works through both of them, if they can fully live what's important for them. Um, that's the field I'm trying, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go into more in the coming uh, months and years, I'm guessing. Um, and if I can take it one step up, if I look at the, at the world, um, I can see this happening on the world, on the world stage as well. You know, you have these like super powerful men that, 
um, <laughs> behave like uh, gladi—I mean, they're like the gladiators of of the modern age, and uh, we're missing the the the, the counter uh, the counterpole, the feminine, the goddess, basically. Right. So this is how can they come come together so that we don't have that tipping point towards even more that um, it doesn't get too masculinized, but that we have both in an equal share. I mean, we're here at a point of time in history where in a few nations, uh, women have done a lot to get at eye level with the guys. Um, we still have unequal pay, but we're on our way. Um, but it doesn't, it shouldn't be the way that the the women need to be as good as the man or the better man. I don't think that this is the answer. I think that they both should be in their full power and in their full beauty and then collaborate uh, and co-create. Um, uh, so that's my vision. <laughs> um, I don't know how to do this yet. <laughs> I'll start with myself and the colleagues around me and see what we can do there. Um, uh, so that's definitely not for the corporate world yet uh but i'm sure if you talk to managers you know they they they'd like to have more of this in their boardrooms every now and then two things you said yesterday i'm pondering about the first one was man learn through challenge yeah it wasn't learn it was grow man grow through challenge yes they grow through challenge and women grow through yeah. price and the second one was Men tend towards nothingness, stillness, and and women towards life and movement. And do we have that in boards? Do we have that in top executive teams? Do you find that there? I mean, I, I know from myself that I am a checklist junkie and a standardization junkie, automatization junkie. And uh, I, I found myself in this going towards stillness. There you go. So I want and, to do and everything just and once. And then what? And then what? Wait, 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 wait. So if uh, you've done everything. And then it's a checklist and then it's done. And then I, I code it. I code it. I write it down. It's an <laughs> SOP. Everybody has okay. to do this standard. Okay, okay, okay. And I, 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 got, I got this. So, nothing. And I just then want what, to what, what right? when everything is done? So what's the purpose of getting everything done? <laughs> the next one? The next then one. we can innovate. Okay, where does that innovation for you come from? From what place? Yeah. Making the customer happy. Making the customer happy. And internally for yourself? Being one step forward. Where do you go once everything's done? In internally. That's a good question. Where do we go when everything's done? <laughs> Basically into... <laughs> The deep nothingness. Into deepness. <laughs> into into asking what asking are we in the right markets? Are we in the right products? Is the customer getting what he needs, what he deserves? Are basically challenging the big picture. Yeah, and, that and, and the fundamental questions. And that deepness and that sitting in the deepness by holding the questions you just said. That's quote unquote. You know, you go into the, the nothingness, into consciousness and see what's arising. You don't do anything. Right? You, 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 the, the, the idea is to go deep, sit and think. So where, 
if you mm -hmm. take it to the other side, the feminine would say, okay, let's get a piece of paper out. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's put this here. Let's put, let's call them, go here, test this. Let's have a bite of this. Okay. Wh why don't we just kind of have some music right now? Um, and then see what ha what's happening then. Let's pause here and we'll have some food and go to the, da, 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 right. That's, that's what, you know, the, the, the feminine essence would do, right? Um, so in there, if, they, if you let them do what they do, so that type of rapid prototyping idea um, and creating new things and co-creating all the time um, because they were, it's, it's also very much, yeah, it's also very relational, meetings, you know, through meetings, relationship, meetings. through other people, whereas yeah. the, the masculine essence doesn't need that relationship access. They can just go right into the topic. I can relate very well to that. Yeah. I can imagine myself sitting in front of a Google sheet for three hours and just waiting what emerges. Pure feminine essence, impossible. I have to call my friend. I have to have this. What is your thought? And see this. And see that. So it's conversation. So um, it's, um, mm -hmm. yeah. So, mm -hmm. and how bring you, that's if you're in a boardroom and you just want to check, 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 structure, plan, concept, milestones, check, check, check. This, there's no creation there. Yeah, this is basically, you just, wherever the creation happens in organizations, it's mm -hmm. definitely not in those boardroom meetings where the top guys drop the agenda, drop mm -hmm. the checklist and say, okay, here's a challenge. How do we go about this? What's your thought? And let's write this down and let's have a first sketch. Let's do a first prototype. That's, that, that requires to show yourself in a very vulnerable thinking place, um, which is very different than, you know, well-structured, you know, well-thought-through. Um, th those, I wouldn't say it's not happening. I, there's boards that do this, right, that consider themselves to be as the, the thinking engine and the driving en engine. Um, but it's rarely that the men collaborate out of their own essence. You ha rather have the Steve, Steve Jobs, you know, the, the one brilliant man right? That does it on his own. You know, he goes out in the desert and then he comes back with a super idea. So that's more the male idea <laughs> where the, you know, where the feminine idea is more, let's sit together. Let's talk about this. Yep. I would say that this is, yeah, this is why design thinking has gone viral. I would say why the work of designers, the way they work got coded into this design thinking process. And one of those things is this ideation process and then rapid prototyping. Um, this is what Charmer does with his U process. You know, once you've gone through the dip, you know, and you get out of the depth, you go into prototyping. Um, that's a nice way of linking it. So you have them in a sequence. Um, and maybe that's it. So if I'm a manager, uh, what three things I can uh, yes, do to but, kill prototypes? You just need to say yes, but a hundred times, and then that's it. <laughs> Because the other, the, 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 the better or the more functional answer would be yes and. You'd be building on what's there and make it even better. That's a huge challenge uh, because it requires you to understand what's there and make it even better. The yes budding is the super simple thing. You're just discarding it and tell people why things are not happen, not working. Um, it's a big one to overcome. It's a simple move. We call them a micro move uh, to say yes and and rather to yes but. Uh, it shifts the energy in the room. So if you talk about mini interventions, 
shifting from yes, but to yes, and is a big one because of the underlying mental model. Um, so that's definitely one <laughs> um, is the yes, but. Um, I just recently made a little drawing, which I'm probably going to put into a little model, um, which I called leading effortlessly. <laughs> um, and that leading effortlessly for me has a, has three bubbles. Uh, one is called, you need to be, you know, you need to know how to ask questions. So questioning is one. Um, so leading through questions. How do you ask good questions? Um, that's an art in itself. So questioning would be one. Um, then focus is the second one. Um, either with a pentagenda or whatever focus you have, um, that you are clear about your focus. Uh, what are you either aiming at or what is pulling you? I know some, some people have a, the sense that they're being pulled towards something. So what is that? Or they want to go towards something that are setting that they think mm -hmm. this is where we need to go. And then the the third one is actually the giving form to. So that's the prototyping form gebung, giving form to. So that if I have the right questions and I have the right focus, how do I give it a form? And that form then needs to go out in the world and be tested just as nature tests its new forms. Some will survive, some won't survive. And then the key thing is go with the ones that survive. Don't analyze the ones that are not surviving. They're just not surviving. Nature doesn't care. You know, if something is not surviving or it doesn't fit, you know, then it doesn't fit. They only keep, put their energy on what's working. So, and then you put the form into testing and then you go back to questioning, you know, what, what's working here? You know, how can we make it even better? And then you get to focus again, and then you go to give it another form again. So that's a cycle that just recently came up in my thinking um, about how can I lead effortlessly? If I ask the right question, if I have a focus, and then I give it a form, um, either myself or with a team. Um, so I think those are three things you could do. Beautiful. Thank you. What are your two favorite books at the moment? My two favorite books at the moment. I mean, my, my all-time classics, I'd rather uh, take those. Um, and they, they're now available in two iterations. One is uh, Spiral Dynamics by Don Beck. Um, and the newer, more, uh, do you say, readable version also for organizations and managers is Reinventing Organizations. Uh, but the source of Reinventing Organizations is actually the work of Don Beck and John Cohen, um, around spiral dynamics. Uh, it's definitely one. Um, and um, the other one, let me think about what else would I recommend nowadays for people to read. Uh, there's a lot of good books around um, ad agility, uh, agile. Um, uh, and I, th I actually think that um, uh, whatever you can read about Scrum <laughs> mm -hmm. um, is a good 
uh, entry point into this world. I just got also for management, not only for IT processes. Or... Yeah, I mean, they, they are now being asked, I just spent two days with Jeff Sutherland, the, the creator of Scrum. And um, it's beautiful to see how he crafted his art over all these years, uh, since 87, I think that's when he started. Um, a tremendous body of research is there um, and how they can prove the effectiveness uh, of the math of this really lightweighted framework that it is. It is really simple, but you need to do what, you know, what they say and you need to stick to, um, um, to, to the values that are underneath. Um, so what, what could a management team do in a meeting to start it and to deliver it in a scrum way? Um, it goes together with what we talked about, the PENT agenda. Uh, you know, you need to have a clear focus. So in terms of um, having a sprint goal, that's what they call it. Um, uh, make sure that you have a goal, a focus that you want to do. Um, so and if a team, and that's another thing I, I, I learned from Jeff, is the ideal team size is 4.6. And when I go and teach fluid facilitation, I tell people, you want to have groups of four to five people because it's the most effective and productive group size. And there's now there's a ton of research that says this is <laughs> the most effective group size. I always felt the number four for teams. I am really happy about that. 4.6. 4.6 is, uh, so, and that, you know, I don't want to go into details, but that's, you know, it's a proven fact. Um, so... You know, have a sprint goal, make sure that your team, whatever, you know, is about that size. Um, rather have teams work in parallel towards the same sprint goal. Um, give it a, let's say, a time box. And Scrum started with a month for a sprint, but now they're down to two weeks. And he says there's also already companies that do one-week sprints. Um, and then... Because that's not, I don't think it's doable for organizations yet that you focus all your attention, your resources on one topic for one week. Um, and yet it's highly advisable. Yeah, and it's highly effective. If you, um, that, that's one of the things, um, I don't have the numbers. I'm not, you know, just, I'm not the numbers because I know where it is, but I don't have the number at hand right now. Um, how much more productive you are if you can focus on one thing rather than doing six or seven things that, you know, in parallel, because the time for you to ramp up to get into the new task and get out of the task and get into the new task, you're losing so much of your productivity by doing this. Um, I read once you need 15% of the time to go back to your task and back to the same amount of focus. Yeah. Every time you get out of it. It's amazing. So um, if you want to increase the productivity of your team is have a clear pent agenda or clear goal, give them a good time frame, have, allow them to focus on this. Maybe you just do it for a day or two. This is why, you know, workshops can be so productive. Um, um, and then um, let them figure out themselves how would they want to accomplish the sprint goal. Don't interfere with the self-organizing <laughs> mechanisms that will start to blossom. So you need someone like you and me, probably, uh, which in their terminology is a scrum master, right? And I would be a facilitation master um, that can guide them and just watch that they don't get you know, caught up in, in old thinking, basically. Um, 
but only at the beginning and then they can do it themselves, right? It's So focus at the beginning, start with the end in mind, write it down, visualize it, create the space in the room. And then you say, then it's the sprint that would be the scrum name. And in your terminology of fluid facilitation, uh, it would be just the work basically of the groups. Yeah I, yeah, I wouldn't say, I mean, the sprint is the sprint is nothing just but the time box, right? The sp- a sprint mm-hmm. in Scrum is just the time box. Um, uh, it, it, it signifies the time. So if we have a workshop, our sprint is a two-day sprint, right? So this, this is, then the sprint is two days and not two weeks. So if you say, how do I bring it to, out of IT into uh, scaling Scrum, which is the big topic right now. How do we scale Scrum? Because Scrum is so much more effective that the rest of the organization wants to have the same benefits, but they don't re, I mean, they yet, right now, scaling Scrum is everywhere in terms of how can we do this? And how can we learn from what's working there and transfer it into the rest of the organizations? And there's some really good um, hints that you can find on the internet, how they're doing it. Um, but it has small teams. It has a sprint idea. You have to have a goal. You have to have people self-organizing within their teams. Um, um, you need to have a good backlog, product backlog, which means that the board needs to be really clear on their priorities. And there's only one thing at the top of the list. You know, you'll like that. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, and then... Because for me, the sprint is on the one side, it's the time yeah. box, but it is also the the exclusion of everything else, which exactly. means it creates the Yeah, focus. the focus of the sprint, that's the yeah. sprint goal. Yeah. I mean, the, that's what the, the yeah. goal of that sprint gives you, like, you know, focus on this and nothing else. So and everything else can be discarded because this is, this is your assignment, full stop. Mm-hmm. And... When you say uh, there is there is uh, very helpful resources, could you share with our listeners in the in the show notes? Uh, after they need to go to Scrum Inc. Um, there's tons of stuff there in, at Scrum Inc. Uh, Jeff Sutherland's um, organization, and if they, you know, I think doing a, a Scrum uh, course at one point just to learn about their thinking. Um, is very helpful. I had people from a big energy company sitting next to me, managers, <laughs> like really top managers. I was surprised what they would do in that course. And they said, well, all my people work with this. And now I need to get a better understanding what the hell are they doing there? <laughs> so the pressure is on and it's more like a bottom up um, approach uh, in this case, uh, when all the top leaders have to say, okay, I better get a hold on this mental model that is more and more creeping into the organization through IT, through digitalization. This is going to change the way we work, Uh, not because of the technology, but how that technology is being produced through this idea that is, you know, mostly Scrum ideas. Scrum is the most prominent, I would say. So top managers now, I understand what the main projects are doing in their corporation. Can they, did, did this also have some impact on how they do their meetings and their work? That I don't know. Um, I, I haven't followed up with them. I'm in contact with some of them. Um, and you just said, it's like what they do. And I would say what and how they do it. So the what and the how. 
so in here again the masculine and the feminine kicks in the masculine would say okay the what take it off take it off take it off and the feminine would say how how are you doing this how are you communicating how are you meeting how are you you know how are you producing what is the process side of this so the, the, this is the what and the how and the what and the how needs to be understood by top management anything you read about agile leadership is asking managers to become more get more literacy in the how not in the what but in the how beautiful that's how 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 we had that again with the two energies nice is there anything i forgot to ask you no i don't think so i'm surprised about all the things i said so it's always amazing if i <laughs> enter the process and just let it flow i'm curious to hear <laughs> what i said And curious to get feedback from you and um, Gregor and the listeners um, about what I said, uh, what they resonate with, uh, what other questions come up for them. And I'm happy to engage with the audience. Thanks for being part of the strategy show. And you, our dear listeners, will find the resources we mentioned, as always, in the show notes, as well as on strategiesprints.com. If you want to help others find this show, feel free to leave a comment on iTunes and recommend us in your social networks. Keep rocking. Happy day, Simon. <laughs>